Thanks for tuning in to this message. My name is Jared Piney. I'm the online pastor here at Pathway, and I'm here with one of our worship directors and online hosts, Maddie Seitz. We hope this message is a valuable resource to you and helps you grow deeper in your faith. If you consider yourself a Christian and this message blesses you, I hope you'd consider giving back to us at Pathway so we can continue connecting all people to Jesus and helping them become his fully devoted followers. Learn more at pathwaychurch.com forward slash giving. And if you decide to take a step in your faith after the message today, simply visit pathwaychurch.com forward slash next so we can help provide you with resources and partner with you in this journey. Well, I want to welcome our entire Pathway family, those of you who are watching at all of our locations and online, and I hope everyone is as excited to be here as I am. I don't think you are, but I am excited to be here, all right? It is a great day to be together because we are a family. There's one person right there that's really excited, but it is great to be together. And we're continuing our series, Breaking Out. And what we've been looking at is the book of Exodus, which is the second book in our Old Testament. And it really is the story of the people of Israel breaking out of their captivity to the nation of Egypt. Now, what we learn in this book is that it's not the people who break them out. It is God who breaks them out. He breaks them out of sin. He breaks them out of a, into a new kind of life. And I think for you and I, that's what we want when we think of breaking out, is we want to break out of sin, our bad habits, but also we want to break out of the normal life, because normal's not that good. And so today what we're going to look at is this principle that breaking out requires others. It requires the people around us that God has placed in our lives. Now, when I think about requiring, like depending upon others, I think of sports. But actually, there's two types of sports. When you think about it, there's actually two types of sports. There's one where you do depend on others, but then there's another type. And so the first type of sport we're going to talk about is the individual sport. You don't depend on anyone. And so my favorite individual sport is golf. Now, you might be making fun of my Mickey Mouse golf club up here, and there's a story why. It's because when I got married, my wife looked at me and said, you have to pick a hobby to get rid of. 
and I was terrible at golf, and so I stopped golfing. Some of you might need to do the same thing, but golf is an individual sport. Now, when you think about an individual sport, I had a friend say this to me in a very clear way. He said, you know, the greatest thing about golf is that the power lies in your hands and your hands alone. So when you golf, if you're familiar with it, like golfers have lots of excuses, but the reason they're ridiculous is because they're the only one that's hitting the ball. Success is all on them. They can take total credit for it. But failure, there is no one else to look at except if your buddy like talks in your backswing or something like that, right? But it's all on you. All the burden, all the burden is on you. Sounds like a very American sport, doesn't it? It's about the individual. And individual success Teams don't win golf tournaments, individuals win golf tournaments. But you see, there's another type of sport, and it's actually my favorite one, is team sports. Kate, just a second, I've got something for you, all right? I've got something for you, it's going to be painful. Let, let's just do that part. So I'm going to put this picture up on the screen, and as a K-State fan, it's very painful. I can't believe somebody called the slide out for me, the picture. So what we saw in them is basketball, I do believe, is the greatest team sport. Now, you might disagree, but you're wrong, and here's why, all right? It's because the players, you have five players who play both offense and defense, and they're really interchangeable. They do have positions, but they can go anywhere. So basketball is a sport, what we see is you could be an individual. There's no limitation on your movement. There's no limitation on what you can do. But the team functions best when it's all one team. The KU team, is, as hard as it is for me to say, this past year when they won the national championship, I thought one of the commentators said it well. Earlier in the season, this team played as five individuals. They all went solo, like the individual. They were solo, but when they got to the tournament, they became a team. They all carried the burden for one another, and that's why they won. But, you know, really being a part of a team for all of us is, is kind of difficult because, as I said, going solo, being an individual, is what our culture and world glorifies. Because we want to be the man or woman, don't we? We want that. But you have to ask yourself this question. Because really God has designed us to be a part of a team and a family. So this question is, what if we are on a team, but we go solo? What happens you know, we know what happens when Solo becomes a team. You win a national championship. But what happens if you're in a team sport and you go solo? Well, I know because I went solo. When I was a sixth grader at the mighty Mount Hope grade school, if you don't know where that's at, it's legendary. Trust me. 
So I was a sixth grader, and I got to play on the varsity as a sixth grader. And I actually had, leading up to our tournament in our league, I had some amazing games. And I just have to tell you, my head got so big, I couldn't fit through a door. And so I thought I was the man. And I was getting lots of praise for it, so I thought, when I get in this tournament, and I'm a sixth grader, it's like, man, I'm going to show the world. And so when I got into that tournament, I brought a solo mindset to a team sport. And so what, I, what that looks like, if you're not familiar with basketball, is basically there wasn't a shot that I didn't like. And so I put up, as a sixth grader, 22 shots in one game. But I only made three. <laughs> if you don't know anything about basketball, that's bad. What happened was, as the number one seed, we lost. And you know, when someone goes solo, when you're in a team sport, that's generally what happens is you lose. But not just you, everybody loses. You see, it hurt the relationships with the people on that team. In fact, some of my old teammates will remind me to this day when I see them of how did those 22 shots go for you? Everybody knows how many shots I took because it was so painful and it hurt. But I wish it just applied to basketball. You see, I've gone solo in what should have been a team sport in a lot of different ways. So when I was 18 years old, my brother died from cancer and I was a part of an amazing family that was a great team. And I was a part of a church family who loved me and was a great team. And so after he passed away, a lot of times they would come up to me and they'd ask me. They're like, so how are you doing? Is there anything I can do for you? And you know what I'd tell them? It's going good. I got this. And then someone would be like, do you need like anything? Like, like just a friend. Can I take you to lunch? And I go, no, I don't have time. I got this. And so after about a year of this, and really years that followed of that, I didn't have it. And inside I was dealing with anger, I was dealing with depression and anxiety, but I was going solo. Because you know, that's the thing, that's what the world teaches us, right? If you admit you need other people to help carry a burden, what are you? You're weak. But you see, God's wisdom is not man's wisdom. God did not design us to go solo. He didn't design us to grip the club and have all the burden, all the weight of life, all the weight of everything in our hands. He created us to be a part of a team and a family. Now the good news of scripture is, is we can learn from people in the scriptures. Today we're going to learn from Moses. Now if you didn't grow up in church and you're like, I don't know a lot about the Bible, but I'm pretty sure that the people in there are pretty perfect. They are not. They are screw-ups just like us. That's why these stories are amazing about what God does in them. And this is what happens to Moses. Because you see, Moses 
had done some great things in the kingdom of God, God spoke to him. And so I think inside of his head, he began to believe this is solo. This is all on me. All the burdens of the people, all the problems, it's all on me with every swing. And you see what happened is that all the people began to depend on him completely for everything. And so Moses was the leader when he led them out of the land of Egypt. God continued to speak to him, and God provided food and water in miraculous ways, and even the people were attacked, and they won the battle. And you see, all these things happened to everyone, but still Moses thought that leadership in everything that happened to the people he had to go so low. It was all on him. But you see, Moses was visited by his father-in-law. How many of you love when your in-laws come to visit? Holy cow, not very many hands. Like everybody's like, it's like an uncomfortable laughter. Like the, especially the first time, I remember the first time my in-laws came over after we were married, it's a little unsettling. But no matter how you feel about your in-laws, and we're not going to break that down today, Moses loved his father-in-law, Jethro. He loved him. You see, when Moses was young and he actually saw an Egyptian torturing an Israelite, Moses killed an Israelite and had to, or uh, an Egyptian and had to run to the land of Midian. And in Midian, he met his wife and really his father-in-law, Jethro took him in. He loved him. And so what happened as the people and the nation of Israel was escaping Egypt is Moses had left his wife and his children with his father-in-law. And like a good father-in-law, he was returning the goods. They stayed too long, evidently. So he was returning them to Moses. So he came to visit Moses, and Jethro heard about all the amazing things that God had done. And Jethro even says, there is no God greater than your God, Moses. And I think he looked at Moses and he said, Moses, I'm so proud of you. I love you. I'm so proud of what your God has done through you. And so I want to stick around for a few days and I just want to see what your life is like because I've never seen, like you're in a different place. And so that's where we're going to pick up the text today. So you can open up your Pathway Church app to Exodus chapter 18. You can also follow along on the stream. And what we're going to look at is this interaction. So Jethro has been there probably for a day, and then he's going to observe what Moses' day looks like. So it says this starting in verse 13. The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you do it alone, solo? Sit as the judge. While all these people stand around you from morning till evening. So Jethro sees his son-in-law, the son-in-law he loves. And he sees something that it's like, 
this is bad. He sees the people lined up for miles. And at that point, scholars think the nation of Israel was probably around 2 million people, something like that. No matter what number you think, it was a lot. And so Moses, he'd gone solo. All the people came to him for everything because he was the one that spoke with God. So there was no one else could do that. So he knew he had to go solo. But his father-in-law asked him these questions because he's a little alarmed. And Moses answers him. And it goes on and it says, Moses says, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. Has your in-law ever told you that? Mine has. What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Man, this is not good. The burden and the weight, you can't carry it, Moses. That's what Jethro is telling him. Is that, do those words that Jethro said, this is not good, would that describe your life? The burden and the weight, you can't carry it. And I know for my life, that's what it sounds like when I have gone solo. When I'm carrying all the burden. And that's what Moses was doing. Now, I think Moses is way wiser than I am. Because I don't know from my father-in-law if I could receive this is not good. But you see, Moses knew Jethro loved him. And so Jethro had some advice that he gave to him. And it goes on to say this. So this is Jethro speaking to Moses. He says, listen now to me and I will give you some advice, Moses. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. It's not all on you, it's on them as well as you empower them. But select capable men from all the people Men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain, and all these people will go home satisfied. And I'll tell you what, Jethro, he was wise. And God uses him in a powerful way to steer Moses. And what you have to remember is Jethro is not an Israelite. He's from the land of Midian. And so God uses a very unexpected person 
to speak truth to the leader of his people. That going solo is a weight that you cannot carry. And you know, I think for us today, in a world and a culture where this is glorified, that we know we can't carry that weight either. My guess is today that there's a lot of us that have carried this into the place wherever you're at. That there is burdens in your life because you've been going solo that you can't carry anymore and God did not create you for that. You see, Jesus said that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Man, I know for us, that doesn't describe our lives very well, does it? And that's what Jethro is trying to tell Moses. And so today, I think there's a couple things we can learn that we can bring to our lives and break the mold of what our world tells us is the best way. And the world says, go solo. But God says, that's a bad idea. You weren't created for that. So the first one may be obvious, but we really need to understand this. It's obvious, but we don't do it. And that means this, is breaking out means solo is no go. Let's all say that together. Solo is what? No go. So whenever we feel burdened and it's too heavy, we need to look in the mirror and say, solo is no go. I need people to help me carry the burden. This is what Jethro said to Moses, remember, what you are doing is not good. What we are doing to ourselves is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out or you wore out today. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Who needs to hear that today? Man, I need to hear that today. The work of life is too heavy. I can't do it alone. We can't do it alone. You see, we go through life like this guy right here. Some of this, this is you. Like when you bring the groceries in, right? Some of you, you're laughing. There's people elbowing. It's like you try to carry all the groceries in all by yourself in one trip. How many of you are one trippers? I'm a one tripper, right? So I load these bags up, these little plastic bags, I give you, and I put them on every finger, two or three. I can carry like 25 bags. It is amazing. And I will be loaded up, and my wife will come out. And you know what she asked me? Do you need any help? What do you think I tell her? I got it. I got it as the eggs fall and break, right? I got it, I got it. We have I got it syndrome, right? In life, I want you to think about the last time someone asked you if they could help you, if they could carry your burden. I'm betting you may have said, I got it. I got it. And I know that's what I do. And we don't have it. We don't have it. 
It's our pride. It's our lack of humility. It's us thinking that we're in an individual solo sport. We don't think we're on a team. So we got it. We got it. We don't got it. We don't got it, do we? You know, I had a man a couple years ago that I met, and he's in tears. You just feel how overwhelmed he was. And he said, honestly, when he sat with me, he goes, I'm just having suicidal thoughts, and I think I need to end my life. And I'm like, why? What has brought you to this place? And he went through all these areas of his life, and he talked about his finances. And I go, is there somebody that's like helping you with those? Is there somebody that's walking with you? Have you reached out for help? And he goes, no, I, I got it. I got it. It's not just that one thing, but I got that one. And then he talked about his children. He's like, I, I just don't know how to be a father. I feel like I fail every single time. And I'm like, who is walking with you? Who have you invited in? And he said, well, you know, I, I feel like I, if it was just that, I got it. He went through like three or four other things, and I looked at him and I said, I don't think you have any of this. And the weight and the burden is too much for you to carry, and this is where it's landed you. You know, when you look in our culture of depression and, and anxiety and the struggle, it's because we think we got it, or we think we should have it. But you see, God doesn't think you should have it. He's put other people around you in your life to walk with you. That's why when you believe in Jesus, you become a part of a family. And solo is no go. When you're a part of a family, we carry one another's burdens. That's why we have to be committed to one another. That's why we talk about being in groups with one another. That's why we talk about serving with one another. Because solo is no go. Some of us think it is so low, and we don't have it. You know, as soon as we understand that so low is no go, there's the next step that we see in Moses' story. And it's this, that God breaks us out by empowering us to empower others. And so if you go back to the story, God was really starting a movement and so what Jethro's advice to Moses was, was you teach the people what God says, his decrees, how they should behave. You empower them with God's word. You empower them. And then you find trustworthy men and you empower them and you give them your authority because you cannot carry this weight. Whenever we talk about here at Pathway Church that everyone walks with someone, you see, that's what it is, is God's Holy Spirit has empowered us to go and do his work and then to empower others. It's not all on us. We're a family. We're a team. If we all do this, the burden is light. And it actually starts a movement. You see, what Moses couldn't see was God was using this conversation to ready the people of Israel for a movement into the promised land. They were going to have to fight battles. 
Hey, can you fight battles when you don't have layers of leadership? The answer is no. He was readying the movement of God, and that's what we need to be thinking, is as a family, we are a part of a movement. You're a part of something far greater than you understand. The early church found this out. You see, after Jesus' resurrection, Peter gave that first sermon, and thousands of people responded, and the church exploded. And they found themselves in the same place that Moses was in. And they needed to empower the movement. And they realized God had empowered them to empower others. It says this in Acts 6, 2 through 4. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. You see, the apostles realized that the message of Jesus and the mission of Jesus, it was too important for them to hold on to power and authority and go solo. You see, they knew they had to lay this down. They had to become a family and a team, and so they empowered others to go spread the message of Jesus. And ultimately, that's why you and I follow Jesus is because they did that. They empowered the movement. And God is calling each and every one of us to do that today. You see, it wasn't just true for Moses. It wasn't just true for the apostles. It's true for us. But you know, so many times we hold on. We hold on. We go solo. You know, back in 2015, I went solo. It's when we opened the Goddard facility for the first time. We'd been meeting in the high school for three years, and there was about 350, 400 people. We moved into the building, and day one, we doubled. And I was like, this is amazing. And there were so many people to meet with. There were so many people who were coming to Jesus who had problems, who just needed people to be with them. And so I began to work like four or five evenings a week, Things weren't going well. My wife wasn't enjoying it. It was all sorts of these things. And I went to lunch with a friend and I told him, I said, you know what? I've got problems. And I explained them to him. And he's so honest with me. And he looked at me and he said, the only problem I see is the one that I'm looking at. He was saying the problem was me. It didn't feel loving at the time. But it was what I needed to hear. Because he began to say, it's like, you need to empower other people. God's made a family. It's not all on you. You're not in a solo sport. You're part of a team. You're part of a family. And so he woke me up. And I went on a quest for leaders. I went on a quest. I was meeting with people, and it wasn't just to get to know them. I was like, will you do this? And 90% of them said, I would love to do this. Some of them even looked at me and said, we've been asking you if we can do this. And you said, what? I got it. 
And so, man, to watch God work through that, to see people who were willing to take leadership on, who were willing to walk alongside people, it multiplied God's efforts. We became a movement. And the movement that is our church family, that is Pathway Church, is built on that idea that we are all priests. That's what the scriptures teaches, is the priesthood of all believers. It's all of us as one family, one team, all needing the other. No one goes solo and carries the burden alone. You know, as I went through that experience, it really showed me one more thing. And it's what Moses experienced as well. Because remember, we're a part of a movement. We're a part of a movement of God, of Jesus. And you see, a breakout movement involves stepping up and stepping out. So when you go back to the story of Moses, he invited people to really take his authority and responsibility, and they stepped into those roles of being the leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, of tens, and they led. And the people were empowered with God's word, and it was preparation for the movement of God that was happening. You see, we're a part of a movement But I do believe that our movement has forgotten this. You see, what we know, in the American church at least, is that through COVID, 50% of the people who served in the church quit. But here's the hard part. They haven't re-engaged. So let me tell you what this looks like. As I go to a middle school program a few weeks ago with our middle schoolers, and I see one super dedicated leader leading 12 middle schoolers, how many of you think that sounds like a good idea? It's not a good idea. But you see, some of us, we went solo. We started just living our lives. We forgot we were part of a family and a team. You know, that's true in our home teams as well, as we walk with people, that there's groups that are really big and we want co-leaders, we want people to do this together because we're a team, we need more groups. But you know what? Most of us are living life solo. You know, one of the things in the story of Moses that caught me this week is Moses was wrong and he'd made a mistake. But the people were kind of okay with it. They were kind of okay with Moses carrying all the burden. Who wouldn't be? No responsibility, right? And I think for me, that's where I'm at sometimes. Is that I stay on the sidelines. I watch others carry the burden. And I'm like, good for them. I'm so thankful for them. But we've forgotten that we're a movement we're a family and there is a spot and a purpose and a role for every single person and I want you to clearly hear me say this this is not about that we have holes that we just need to feel fill 
You see, God has specifically created each and every one of us to be a part of the family and to serve and to serve a purpose. So my question is for you today, do you see any of that in yourself? Maybe you haven't served in the family. And so today we want to give you the opportunity to step up and to step out. If you're a leader already, we're not asking you to do any more. We're going to get you some help. There's people all over. They want to help now. I I can feel it. And so there's some of us, we've been serving, but we need to step up into leadership. Moses called many people to step up into leadership and to lead others. But then when others step up, others have to step out of the pew, out of their seat, and say, you know what? It's time for me to join the team. And so your campus pastor at all of your locations today is going to give you instructions how to take a step. And it's time. It's time for the movement to come alive. You see, the Apostle Paul talked about our movement like this. This is what God is trying to create. He said this in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. He said, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. You're no longer going solo. But fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, we are all being being built and joined together, and we rise to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him a dwelling place which God lives by his spirit. And that's a beautiful picture, isn't it? That's a picture of our family, of us being built together. You see, breaking out requires others. It requires all of us. You're a part of a powerful movement. Solo is no go. God has empowered us to empower others. And we've got to step up and step out. So today as we close, I want to give you the opportunity to really commit to God. Because this is not about what we do, it's about where our heart lies and that we're a part of a family. And so we need to repent for when we've gone solo. And we need to commit to God to show us how to engage and how to step up and step out. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you, God, for the opportunity today to come And to just soak in the wisdom that Jethro gave to Moses. God, forgive us for when we have gone solo and as we follow you. That God, it has been wrong. And this is not good. And so today, God, we commit ourselves to being a part of the family. We commit ourselves to stepping up and stepping out. You know, I know there's many of my brothers and sisters who are just like me. But the season that we've been through, it's distracted me. It's been a distraction. And God, we've been carrying the burden that you do not wish for us to carry. 
And so today, if you are a person, you're hearing a message from God, his spirit is stirring inside of you that you need to step up and step out today. I just want you to raise your hand right now as a sign to him that that's you, that God, I'm hearing you. Raise your hand right now if that's you. Raise your hand right now. If you're watching online, you can type me in the chat. Man, hands all over. God, if we do this, amazing things will happen in our movement as God moves through us. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, God, for the opportunity we have to recommit our lives to your family, to your movement. God, I pray that we would all take bold steps and get connected. And God, whenever we feel the burdens of life, that God, the first thing we would say to ourselves is so low is no go. That God, we would run to the family that you've placed us in. And God, through that, your spirit would do more and more in us. God, we're grateful that we're all in this together and on one mission as one family. God, I also know today that there's many in this room and many watching this that they have never accepted Jesus for the very first time. You know, we've talked about family and team, and Jesus has been waiting to add you to the family. All you need to do is accept him as the leader and the savior of your life. You see, Jesus paid the ultimate price on the cross for all of your sins so that you could become a part of God's family. And so today, there's no greater day. If that's you and you've never taken that step, I want to invite you to do that today. So I want to invite you to pray this simple prayer with me in the quietness of your heart. Father, I know that I've fallen short and my sin and my shame and my guilt has separated me from you. But today, Jesus... I lay those burdens down and I grab hold of the grace and the forgiveness that you offer me through your perfect sacrifice that you made on the cross so that all my sins would be forgiven and I would be free. And today, Jesus, I choose to follow you and live the life that is truly life in your family. Now, with everybody's head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I want to invite you to declare that decision to God by simply raising your hand and so that I can pray for the decision that you made. Raise your hand right now if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, no matter where you're at. Raise your hand. Raise your hand right now. Awesome. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, God, for those who have stepped into a new relationship with you today. God, I pray that your spirit would guide them and direct them. God, that they would experience the lighter load that Jesus promised to us. That God, we're grateful now that they're a part of your family, your team. God, we pray that God, that we would live that out for the world to see and see your movement thrive in this world. God, we pray all of this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen.